You are listening to Processing Trauma Out Loud, conversations about trauma and healing from two women who are doing the work. My name is Jeremiah Jones, and I am the producer of this podcast. In today's episode, Candace and Cher are on their final episode looking at rupture and repair. In today's discussion, Candace and Cher talk about reconnection after a rupture. They explore what it means to reconnect and why sometimes reconnection is not always possible. They both believe that healing childhood wounds is the way we learn to work through the ruptures we have in relationships today. Hi there, Cher. Hey, Candace. Good to see you. Uh, good to see you too on this kind of a rainy, dreary day today here in the state of Missouri. Yeah, bright and sunny here, but uh, cold. <laughs> yeah. yeah, just that time of the year, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, well, it's so good to be with you today. I'm excited about wrapping up this four-part series that we are doing on rupture and repair. Yep. And so just a little kind of background of what we've already done. Our first episode was just looking at rupture, what rupture is, and then moving into when there's been rupture, what is the role of regulation, being able to regulate ourselves and really feel good about moving into repair in ways that if we stay dysregulated, we'll do the opposite. And then today we are looking at reconnection question mark. Does having rupture and being able to regulate and then experiencing some repair, does it always mean that we're going to have reconnection? What do you think? (laughs) I think reconnection is a beautiful desire Mm. and there are no guarantees. Yeah. Because I can want to reconnect and move toward it. And the other person may say, mm-hmm. I really feel like I'm I'm not wanting to. And so we can have the desire. We can go through all the steps and do the process and and even bring repair, right? Really bring true repair. And one or both may say, we really don't want to reconnect at this point. Mm-hmm. I'm curious. I'm 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 guessing that you've been in that place where you are desiring for not just the repair but the reconnection, and maybe the other person didn't. Yeah. Have you been in that space before? I think both spaces. I think both when I have really wanted the repair and it didn't happen, and when the other person has asked for it and i was at a place where i i didn't really want to repair and that also can feel really awful to be making the choice mm-hmm. with someone who is saying that they want it and then making the choice to say i feel like i'm at a different place or our relationship is just at a different place and i i really don't want to repair at this time super hard yeah. Well, I think you're you're saying you don't want to repair. I think it's more that you you don't want the reconnection. Yes. Sorry. That's what I meant. Yep. Yeah. I knew that's what you meant, but I just yeah. wanted to clarify that. Yeah, really good. Yeah. So we've talked about this idea of like a spectrum. And so like in this spectrum, it would be maybe the level of rupture. And then does it feel safe to go in back into a reconnection. Yeah. I think safe and also desire and also time, 
may be a factor or other priorities in your life. Or I think there can be really a lot of different issues that can cause you to say, this was important to me and I love you, I value you, and I am going to choose that we would not reconnect the way that we have been before. And maybe that means it would be less of a connection or maybe even the decision to say, let's let's take some time and just be apart. And I, I want to really contrast that with what I think happens a lot, which is the pull toward codependency or avoidance. And where we stay in the relationship, but we stay and we stay connected, but it's based on and the foundation is not healthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it can actually be healthier and actually is healthier to go through the process of rupture, regulate, repair, and then deciding do we want to reconnect or not? Mm-hmm. That is a very healthy, good, growing process. When we move toward codependency or avoiding, that is really the the more unhealthy place, even if the relationship stays intact. Yeah. And I want to take a couple minutes here to talk about why we lean towards one or the other, mm. or like myself, <laughs> bringing up that disorganized attachment where I can have a pretty consistent ebb and flow. So I want to circle back around to these patterns or these ways that we lean towards either avoidance or codependency is going to stem from what that looked like for us in childhood. So we have a whole series of episodes on attachment wounds that develop into our attachment styles. And when it comes to rupture and repair, this is where we're going to see those realities come into play in our relationships. Yeah. And so if we are leaning towards codependency, you're going to see more anxious, ambivalent attachment wounds. Which would look like what, for example? Which would look like I'm not okay if I don't think you're okay with me. So it's really putting all the weight of who you are onto or or how you are onto another person. So it it is that codependency or dependency in a way that's not healthy. Mm. That's going to be more of your anxious ambivalent attachment as opposed to that avoidant that is going to rise up and want to be very independent. You know, I was going to say that idea of that I don't need you, but really an avoidant knows that they need, but it feels too painful to feel the need. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's safer to go off and do life on my own because I know how to do that. Mm -hmm. And yes, there's pain there, but it doesn't feel as potentially volatile or emotionally draining as moving toward and working through the, the situation that has happened. The avoidance behavior was to self-soothe. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So when we when we look at rupture and repair, it's going to serve us well to go back and kind of get a feel through so much kindness and curiosity of what kind of attachment style do we lean towards? 
or what kind of attachment styles are we just showing up in regularly and all the time that's bringing a lot of shame and contempt? Yeah. And you mentioned this before we push the record button, but you and I had a situation arise a week or so ago, and we want to just share it with our listeners and bring forward a situation that could have gone in many directions, and it ended up going in a direction that we were both able to hold really well. We were having a conversation, a planning session, actually, about a project that we have coming up. As we threw out ideas about that project, we had a little disagreement, and there were some words that were kind of fired back and forth. And for me, generally in that situation, I will, I won't say what I think, and I will just be very quiet and hope, maybe hope that you would say, hey, you seem quiet. What's, what's going on? But in that moment, I kind of just, it was, and it was really very reactionary. It wasn't a thought. It wasn't a conscious thought or decision, but I kind of fired something back and then you fired something back at me. And and I think I fired something back at you. And at one point I remember just the, the, the thought went through me, through my body, through, even through my mind of, I don't want to do this. And I remember just sitting back in my chair and I was just on the edge of just really turning avoidant and shutting down and just being out of that, what felt very much like potential conflict to me. And then in that moment, I think you you told me afterwards that you you saw me, you noticed that and you said the words, we can work through this. And that was all that I needed in that moment to re-engage, to not, to not shut down, to not step away, but to re-engage. And we worked through it and we were able to talk with clarity about what had happened and what I felt, what you felt, and then we were able to move forward. And so it really was a situation that really had a lot of potential for rupture. Some people would say, well, that little thing, you know, and, and, but for me, who has avoided conflict and does not like any, anything like that, that, that pa- a passionate exchange for me as a child meant danger, a yeah. lot of danger. And so I would dissociate, shut down, avoid. But I think because we have done so much work and individually, And we have established a very solid foundation where we bring a lot of words of care and we step toward each other when we see hurt in each other's lives. And we have learned how to bring the four S's, right? To see, to soothe, to bring safety and security. And so when this happened, we had a foundation. That was established that really enabled us to do rupture, regulate. And it was a really, it was a low level, but it could have been a rupture for sure. But we regulated pretty quickly. We repaired pretty quickly and we were reconnected. And I just want to share that as a, you know, that whole encounter probably took five minutes from one end to the other. And then we have talked about it and processed it some since then too. But I feel like that's a picture that we can share of when there is a good foundation, 
the ability to move quickly through this process is really there. Yes. A couple things that came up for me in that is that, you know, when you say, I can't remember, like you fired back and I fired back, I, I wasn't feeling the level of firing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Work, but I saw it. Right. And so being able, when I saw you move back, it was this like internally, I was going, share, please stay with me. Yeah. Just please stay with me. Don't, don't go avoid it. And, and you didn't, nor did I, because I remember slowing down and saying, I've really got to listen really good to her right now and understand where the disconnect was. So I, I love how that happened. The other thing is I want to go back to something you said, you know, about that we had a, a good foundation. And I think what's important in this space of rupture and repair, before we get really good at repairing with other people or get better, because we'll never be perfect. Although I do believe we can just continue to grow in that. We have to be able to do that within ourselves. And that we talked about that in the regulation stage, but I, I think it's when we think of a good foundation, that good foundation is going to start with your own inner work. And, and let's just put a few words around that. It's it's like learning how to reestablish safety, right? Like I, that's a thing that I have worked a lot on is sometimes I know that my body is not feeling safe. Like even in that moment, right? Like you were firing things at me <laughs> and you, and to you, it was just like, oh no, we're just having a passionate conversation here, but <laughs> right. So there was some level of threat there for me. And that kind of thing can happen for me a lot where in my body, I don't feel safe. Mm -hmm. And now I'm learning, right. I'm, I'm establishing this foundation within myself where I can come to my own body and soul and say, I don't feel safe right now, but I am safe right now. I know that I am not in danger in any way. And then allow the regulation to come. And so it is like repair within my own body and soul. Well, and for me, I learned early on that I had to have a level of intensity to be heard. And so now, you know, even in the context of our friendship and some other relationships, you know, even with my spouse, I'm able to say this conversation doesn't need the level of intensity that I feel like I need to bring to be heard. And so th this is great examples of the inner work that we do to be able to move towards repair in a way that's not just thinking about ourselves, mm -hmm. but how can we repair with someone when we're not considering their experience of the rupture? Right. All of those dynamics are so important if we're going to move toward reconnect, because mm -hmm. if there's not regulation and if we aren't able to move toward repair, if we intend turn toward avoidance or codependency or somewhere along the spectrum, right? We will not be able to really move toward reconnect, at least in any way that's really healthy. Mm -hmm. So as we talk about reconnect, and of course, as we said, sometimes we 
do reconnect and sometimes we don't. But what is what does it look like when we do reconnect after this process of there was rupture? There might mm-hmm. there might have been a time period here of, uh, of that lapsed. It might have been hours or days or weeks or months, right? Where we felt the rupture, we took time to regulate, then we moved through some steps of repair. So now the relationship or or the the rupture has been repaired. Now the decision is being made to move forward toward reconnecting in this relationship. What are what are some things that you think of when you think in terms of like, yeah, I I really want to move toward repair or towards reconnection. Yeah. Yes. Um, so vulnerability. So there's a vulnerability because reconnection means that you're right back to where you were that you can get hurt again. Okay. So there's a vulnerability and openness about not only what happened, but what would need to change to be reconnected. Yeah. And, and, you know, that just, that's coming out of a place of just such honesty. And sometimes there can't be mutuality in that. Yeah. One person may not agree to the terms or to the boundaries. Right. And that's when you can have, you can still have a level of repair, but yet for good reason, you may have to say there can be no reconnection at this point. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think it's, it's this whole process though, I think, and we've said this many times that, and, and we have one friend who, who actually says, I don't trust anyone until there has been rupture and repair Mm. that, that you can think that your friendships are solid and stable, but you really don't know until you've had rupture, what will come forward when there has been rupture? Will the person regulate, will you and they be able to regulate? Will you be able to repair so that you can reconnect? And then when we go through that process, I think there is a lot of trust that is really built as we go through that process, because as you said, we see the openness, we see the vulnerability, we see the honesty, but, but then I think we see care and we see that ability or that opportunity to bring the four S's and all of that, I think speaks of love. Like there can be such a growth and such a deepening of the level of love, when we are willing to go through the hard things that happen in our relationships. And when we can come out on the other side and say, yes, I want to, not only do I want to stay reconnected, I want our reconnection to look different. Mm -hmm. I was reading, it's been a while ago about how it's good to have things in common with people, right? It's good to have chemistry. There's all these things that we have looked at relationships and say, okay, we got this, this, and this, this is going to be amazing. That's why we all get married. And we think it's always going to be amazing. And a lot of the times it, we haven't had those ruptures yet. So we get into these relationships, whether it's with a spouse or a friend, kind of in that honeymoon stage, but it is when the ruptures, so the ruptures will reveal the attachment trauma. Mm. 
And when that happens, if we're not equipped and understand what's going on in this subconscious or unconscious levels, Mm. that's when we will get into self and other judgment. Mm. And, and that is, that's a very difficult place to have repair and reconnection in. Now, we know situations where one person's doing that. There's one person doing the deep, hard inner work. And it's a deeply sad situation if the other person just refuses to come on board or even mocks and shames the process that the other person's going through that is doing the true healing work. Yeah. You know, that's when we have to really look at it's not even safe to reconnect. Yeah. Right. I loved what you said, and I want to really restate it. Rupture exposes attachment wounds mm-hmm. and then those attachment styles. And so really, ultimately, the rupture isn't it, it very quickly becomes not as much about the situation or the topic that brought the rupture as the ways that I feel inside as a result. And then how that ends up being a reenactment of Mm -hmm. what I went through as a child. Yes. And so when you have had healthy, consistent, secure connection as a child, and there has been this process of learning and growing through rupture and repair, it will be a different experience as an adult. You know, there, there isn't, you know, there again, the spectrum, right. But for, let's just say that you're married to a really securely attached person, but you have insecure attachment, whether avoidant or anxious, that space being able to slow down and say, okay, historically ruptures meant this, this, and this. But if you have a partner who will work with you and understand what's going on for you, it can be such a beautiful healing space, whether that's a friendship, your spouse, your even your coach or therapist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it's amazing what happens of the rewiring of the brain and knowing that you can handle rupture and you can move toward repair. Yeah. And it's so good when when we can. And then just a few minutes on that there really are times when we choose not to repair. And of course, there are the times when that is reactionary and 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 it's done out of a shutting down or 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 avoiding. But what about the times when the choice to not reconnect is actually born out of self-care? or wisdom what 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 does that look like it looks very painful because typically there is a per, you know we've got the person that deeply longs for repair and reconnection and yet if they continue to do that and they're betraying their selves so they're trying to acquiesce and appease for the reconnection, or they're going into avoidance to stay safe, to reconnect. And there's no movement on the other person to understand the dynamic of what's going on. Sometimes that always doesn't mean there can be no reconnection. You just have to learn how to live boundaried with an open heart, but also knowing how to care for yourself. But when it becomes 
this place where there's just more harm being caused and there's no desire for repair, that's when we have to make that hard decision. You know, why are we truly staying connected to this person? And oftentimes it's because there's more fear there than a place of love. Yeah. Love, love, love for self. Yeah. And I'm also thinking, and I love that. I, every word you said, I really, I really appreciate that so much. And I think if we stay also connected to this concept of attachment, the thing we want most in our relationships is secure attachments, mm-hmm. secure connections, secure reconnections. We want security where there is a context of love and mutuality and care and understanding and honesty and vulnerability and all these things that we've been talking about. But that is what we really long for. And that is what can be achieved if we are able to go through this process that we've been talking about for four weeks. That when we go through the process and we come to the, and, and it, when both both people can stay or all people can stay engaged in the process, we can come to that point where there is reconnection that is beautiful and where the security that we have in the relationship can even be much stronger than it ever was even previously. Yeah. Yeah, I love I love it when we get to experience that and we get to witness it because we we know the pain mm. of it just doesn't always work out that way. Yeah. So as we just come to a close today, and and this has been a good series. I, I really enjoyed and appreciated talking about it with you, Candace. As we have said several times, like I feel like I have learned so much, even as we have process this together for this last, you know, several weeks. Yeah. And we've, we have been getting some good feedback. So if if you're just listening for the first time, go back and listen to the previous three episodes. Yeah. And that's what I'll just say to our listeners. I, I want to say also to our listeners, like we appreciate you so much. We wouldn't really do this if you weren't here. (laughs) (laughs) We may. (laughs) That's we're learning so much. But we really want our listeners to know that we really appreciate them. And we would love to hear feedback about how has this series impacted you, maybe impacted your thought, your thinking or a process or even a relationship that you are currently in somewhere in this process with. We would love to hear from you. So go to our Facebook page at Processing Trauma Out Loud and give us a comment or send us a a message. and. Let us know how you're doing. Yeah, so good. Well, it's that time to say goodbye. And I will see you soon. And I love you so much. I love you too, friend. Thank you for listening to Processing Trauma Out Loud. Make sure to check out the show notes for links to suggested resources and social media. Like, subscribe, and follow to keep up with our weekly content. And if you don't mind, take a moment to rate and review us. Your feedback is extremely valuable and contributes to the success of this podcast. Music was created by Kayla Paxton, and our sound engineer is Jeremiah Jones of Audit Story LLC. We welcome you to join us for more conversations soon. Take care.